Hello and welcome to Instant Transmission, a podcast where we discuss everything Dragon Ball and who wore it better, the Blue Man Crew or Mr. Popo. Tonight on episode 15, we'll be giving our final review of the most recent installment of Dragon Ball, Dragon Ball Super. Each arc will be discussed, given a score, then each of us will give the entire series a score. So pop that sensu bean, break open a heat tap, and get ready for a fun one tonight. I'm your host, Dayton, and once again, I'm joined by my co-host, Todd. Hi. And going forward, Todd and I are going to be keeping a running tally of all the arcs spanning across each Dragon Ball series we review. Each series will be given a combined score divided between the two of us, and at the very end of this episode, we will be giving our very first official ITDB score. We have plans to eventually have this posted on social media, so look for us on Twitter and YouTube as we might already have it up by the time this episode goes live. And now that you all know the rules, was there anything you wanted to mention before we got things rolling, Todd? Yes. So before we begin our review, I just want to point out that both Dayton and I are huge fans of Dragon Ball. If we weren't, we wouldn't dedicate hours every week to making this content and re-watching this show. Now, with that said, we will have negative points to bring up about Dragon Ball Super, and some people may not like to hear us talk negatively about a franchise they love. So I just want to point out that while Super has its fair share of problems, we do love this franchise too, and we enjoyed watching it again. So did you have anything to add to that, Dayton? Yeah, that just everything we're doing tonight, it's just for fun. It's... Not anything official that's going up anywhere. It doesn't mean that something that you like is worse than it was before. It's just we're just here having a good time. So just take things with maybe a little bit of a grain of salt, maybe with a lighthearted attitude. And I think I think we'll all have a good good time here. Yeah, absolutely. These are just our opinions. You guys are welcome to have different opinions and uh, we're just here to have a good time. So with that out of the way. Let's dive into Instant Transmissions Dragon Ball Super Review, starting with the Beerus arc. Yes, absolutely. And I will say right off the bat that this arc, um, it's always going to hold a little bit of a soft spot for me because it was the first new Dragon Ball content I had seen in quite a few years. And so I'll probably always look at it probably with a little bit more, uh, let's say, starry-eyed kind of fondness that maybe it does deserve, maybe it doesn't deserve, but I, I will always have a little bit more appreciation for this arc than maybe it should have. And that's going to make this interesting between Dayton and I to see what we, just to point out, Dayton and I don't know the scores that we gave the arcs here. Oh so yeah, they don't know that, that yet. Yeah, yeah, this is going to be uh, <laughs> blind scoring. So we're going to figure out what each other's uh, scores are as we announce them. So that, that should be pretty fun or hopefully yeah. <laughs> this is going to be interesting. So, and the reason I point that out is because Dayton and I had very different experiences watching this arc in particular, because I watched the battle of gods movie when it first came out. And so I watched the Beerus arc in the super anime after the battle of gods movie, but Dayton watched the series in Super first, and then Battle of Gods afterwards. So, yeah, let, getting that out of the way, I 
will always just kind of like this, but outside of me just liking it for being some new Dragon Ball content, I do think that there's some decent coverage of what the Z fighters do when there's not a big battle on the horizon. What does their downtime look like? And we get to see Goku being pushed out into the field to farm to try and help pay the bills. We get Vegeta having some time with the family and making good on a deal he made with Trunks. It's, I don't know, there's some nice softer notes that I I will appreciate and point out here. Yeah, and, and those are good points. I I think when we originally were watching through these episodes, I pointed out that I really liked the the family time that we got with Vegeta. And so that's that's a good point that I I kind of forgot about when I was really thinking about this arc as a whole. I think to be honest, I mean, well, I know this point has been kind of beaten to death. This this arc has some of probably some of the worst animation in all of Dragon Ball. Uh, it does have parts that are okay, um, but there are parts that are just absolutely terrible. Uh, they now that in itself doesn't take away from this arc for me. However, I also have to point out the pacing for this arc, especially when compared to Battle of Gods. It's slow, it's drawn out. The fights, while there are some fun parts in the fights, the pacing is just not good. We get, I think Dayton and I talked about, there's four or five Kamehameha's in the fight between Goku and Beerus. And none of them feel special or unique at all. There are several times where Goku is basically defeated, but flies back up and he's ready for the next round sort of thing. And that's really fun and cool the first time it happens. But after the second time, maybe even the third time, I it it starts getting you stop buying into it. You you don't believe it anymore. And it's just like, all right, so how when do we end this? When does the fight actually reach its climax? Because it's no matter how many times Goku gets knocked down, he's going to get up and dig deeper and find that power that that's somewhere in there. That's not really explained. It's just there. Right. And I, I mean, we. As Dragon Ball fans, we all know, you know, Goku's always going to push himself to his limit. Uh, he's always going to try to surpass his limits. But when he's getting knocked down over and over like that, it just doesn't feel you don't feel like it's genuine when he's just kind of keep getting back up. It just doesn't it kind of ruins the tension for the fight, honestly. I mean, it's let's compare that to when Vegeta is pushed and he's stepping forward to defend his family against Beerus. And we get to see Vegeta kind of unleash and step forward. And for the first time, Beerus is actually kind of pushed back for a moment. I love that scene and it's not, there's nothing cringy about it. It's everything makes sense. It hits all the right notes with Vegeta being emotionally invested and taking that next step and, Goku couldn't land a blow or anything on Beerus at Super Saiyan 3. And Vegeta was able to keep up for a moment anyway with Beerus at Super Saiyan 2 because he he actually had something he was fighting for. I really enjoy that kind of note. That's that's the stuff that Dragon Ball has always been made out of is fighting for something bigger than yourself yields power that that you cannot achieve on your own. Right. And that's I really like that scene too, especially being a Vegeta fanboy myself. Uh, and there are a couple of scenes with Vegeta that I wasn't as big of a fan of in the anime, with him doing the kind of like the gags, like the um, trying to appease Beerus. And that stuff being, was taken way too far. Yeah, a little bit, 
felt a little bit out of character for me. Um, I wasn't a big fan, but I'm I'm glad Dayton that you have s- some uh, some of the points that you enjoyed about this arc because it's I I keep comparing it to the movie in my head and it's really hard for me to find like the points that I like. But the 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 part with Vegeta uh, fighting Beerus briefly was one of the points that I still still did really enjoy in the anime as well as the movie. Yeah, and I'm not. I'm not saying that this was necessarily great, but I am trying to pick up on the the points that I think they did well. Um, but a point that they did not do well was watching everything that was ever interesting about Videl just get shelved and her pushed into wife status. <laughs> That's a really good point. And uh, we we recorded an episode about Videl in particular because I think Dayton and I both really like Videl as a character pre super. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And it's it's kind of unfortunate, but Akira Toriyama himself has said that he's not good at writing relationships. And I think he's even expressed that he's not great at characterizing female characters. And, and it, it kind of shows sometimes. I think one of the only characters, I mean, 18 is one of his better female characters who still, you know, fights. Uh, Balma, of course, is, you know, an incredible character and not a fighter. And she she has some fun moments here, like when she stands up to Beerus. But uh, yeah, unfortunately, Videl is feels very flat in this arc. Yeah, it's it's unfortunate. And I I'm still not happy about it. But I guess I I need to just accept at this point that that's the way that, you know, these a lot of these female characters are written, which is unfortunate. But uh, what can you do? So are you ready to give this uh, this arc a score? Yeah, I think I've said pretty much all I have to say about this arc. Uh, Did you let's see, how do we want to do this? Do you want to say any final points and give your score and then I'll give mine or. Um, yeah, my, my final point and score are that I think there, there are some good notes to this and I am, this is me being forgiving with it because of, of it being the first Dragon Ball content I had seen in a bunch of years, but I'm giving it a a five out of 10. All right. All right. So for me, and this kind of plays into our experiences varying with this arc, uh, because I watched Battle of Gods, and I thought Battle of Gods was an incredible movie. To me, the Beerus arc kind of ruined the story of Beerus to me. Uh, it it basically did it, but it did it much worse. The animation was worse. The music was worse. The pacing was worse. The fight choreography was worse. Um, if Battle of Gods didn't exist, I'd probably feel very differently about this arc. But because it does, and because I saw Battle of Gods first, I gave the Beerus arc for Super a 3 out of 10. I, I can definitely see it. When when you've seen literally the exact same thing, but better beforehand, it's, it's really hard to ignore that when you're watching through this. It's so hard for me not to make those comparisons. So again, I apologize because I probably come across really negative about this arc, but... <laughs> If you guys want the story for this arc, go watch Battle of Gods. It's great. It it really is fantastic. I I I highly recommend it. I mean, I didn't realize that what I was missing until we watched it for this show, and I was like, "Holy crap!" I didn't realize it could be that good. It's <laughs> so good, so good. <laughs> oh, jeez. All right. Well, we're we're so, past the beginnings, right? 
Yeah, that's right. Did we want to? So I think, unless I don't know how to do math, so our average ITDB score comes out to four out of ten. Then is that right? That sounds right to me. All right, just to make sure, I'm doing it on a calculator. In case <laughs> I'm really bad at math, but it's been a long time since I've had to do math. <laughs> so just to reiterate, uh, Dayton's Beerus Arc score is a five out of ten. Todd's my. I, my score for the Beerus Arc is a 3 out of 10, and the ITDB score is a 4 out of 10. All right, so we've got the first official scores down. We're moving into the second arc of Dragon Ball Super, and that is the, is it the Resurrection F arc? Is that the official name? I think it's either Resurrection F or the Golden Frieza arc, yeah. Okay. All right, and this one, um, I think there are... There are some fun notes with this one that I do want to bring up. Um, I do like that this is where we get to see Vegeta and Goku beginning their training with Whis. And I'm always a big fan of having the master and pupil dynamics. I love seeing it. I love seeing the 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 teacher showing like how wise they are, how powerful they are, what the next step or stage could look like. And I love seeing our Z fighters kind of leveling up their game and moving towards that next step and Quite frankly, I enjoy most of the training scenes with Goku, Vegeta, and Whis. I think they're pretty fun. I very much agree with you. I think, uh, so again, it's going to be hard for me not to compare this to the movie Resurrection F. However, the difference here, though, is that I think that the series in Super actually made some improvements on the movie material. And one of those improvements to me is the training material that we get with Goku and Vegeta. We even get a little tease about Super Saiyan Blue when they're training with Whis, and we kind of see this blue aura when they're, you know, training and working on their God key. And that's Uh, good storytelling. Yeah, yeah. Uh, If I think we've talked about it before, but one thing that Dragon Ball Super does really well is foreshadowing, and I like that a lot. (laughs) It's... I mean, oh, let me open this heat tap real quick. Um, <laughs> it, it really is something that if you, it's easy to miss it because of, like we've said, the pacing of this show can be t- terrible at times. But yeah. when like when important content is happening, they will drop in those little clues and kind of allude to where everything's going. And I do appreciate that about this series. Right. It's also kind of nice to not only see how Goku and Vegeta are getting stronger, but also get an idea or get a little foreshadowing for, you know, new transformations, new powers. Mm. Uh, and and again, I think Dayton kind of mentioned, sometimes it's nice to see even what they're doing in their downtime. And in this case, it's training and that's kind of fun. Yeah, it is really fun. And I think we also get to see some of that training pay off when when frieza actually arrives and i'll I'll talk about some of the what happens between frieza and the side characters in just a second here because i don't want to dive in because it's yeah um but we do get there are some really nicely choreographed and animated fight sequences between goku and frieza when they do begin their fighting there's a scene where goku's almost like dancing and backflipping across the surface of the water dodging blasts it looks incredible and i do love it and i'm i'm glad that you are pulling out these good points because the majority to me the majority of the fight choreography and the animation 
in this fight. So the, I mean, the main, the meat and potatoes of this arc is basically the fight between Goku and Frieza, right? That's most of it. Yep. And so I honestly think that most of that is pretty poorly animated and the fight choreography is, is, is kind of uninspired. Again, I, I saw the movie, I saw resurrection F the movie before seeing the anime. And while both have their own problems, the animation quality and the choreography in the movie is far superior to that in the anime. And yeah, I will, I will agree with you. The overall quality of the, the anime versus the movie, the movie knocked it out of the park. Most of the movies do really well with the animation across the board, but there, there were some good sequences, but it was kind of, dispersed amongst a lot of mediocre animation and just random key blast and blurred arms and just, you know, all the stuff that just kind of pads a fight to make it last longer. Yeah. There's some, some scenes and these have been posted all across the internet at this point, but there's lots of scenes of particularly Frieza. I mean, Goku and Frieza, but Frieza just looking real bad. And I want to point out, I think we've talked about it before, but not the animators faults, more so the faults of the, production schedule for the show but uh i mean i wish they would have given themselves some breathing room for this show because it really shows in the beginning that it was rushed yeah and it's i mean i can forgive like a sequence not looking great or a couple frames here and there not looking awesome but when when it's happening over and over again and, and it's in your face or sometimes it's so egregious where the like the eyeballs are kind of on the sides of their heads and stuff like that. It's <laughs> it's hard to ignore. And it's one of those things where you're just like, hold on, I need to go back a second. What did I just see? <laughs> yeah, there were a couple of times where I was like, is that Frieza or is that just a golden pug? It's kind of hard to tell the difference. Yeah. Um, and now I need to dive into, uh, I guess, all the side characters when they first in- encounter Frieza. All of that was bad. I'm sorry. Um, (laughs) I really don't have any. There's some cool stuff in the movie, but in the series, I really don't have hardly anything good to say about it. I really don't. I, I feel similarly. I, I, my notes basically, I wrote down that many of these characters were either mistreated or misused, which includes Tagoma. Uh, I, I think, yeah, you had mentioned before, I think that Taguma, uh, it's kind of fun to see him, uh, you know, do to see them do more with him than just him getting killed off right away. But it feels like he's just kind of padding, uh, before the main fight with Frieza. They, I, I just feel like he, he didn't get used well. Like he could have been a cool character, but he was not used well. Well, I like his kind of the idea of his backstory where he went through this like kind of messed up grueling training routine where he was more or less beaten and tortured until he was strong enough to endure it. And that made him powerful. And I was like, all right, well, what are you guys going to do with this? Well, nothing. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to let him get beat like anybody else. Just, you know, I I think he gets wiped out like that once Goku and and Vegeta show up. He gets killed real fast. Yeah, uh, it's really sad because you you want to see more, and they did spend a lot of time kind of building this character up and introducing you to him, and then it's just all gone in an instant. Right, and I, I think I'm almost glossing over the fact that 
Tagoma gets taken out very quickly, but technically it's Tagoma Ginyu. That's right. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Which, what a weird cameo, I guess, to be like, hey, look, it's Captain Ginyu. Oh, he's dead. All right. (laughs) And that was the unfortunate part about it is that, again, I like the throwback to Ginyu. I love Ginyu as a character. They misused him. They didn't do anything with him. They were like, here's Ginyu. He exists. Now he's dead. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, And it's honestly, it almost feels like a a subpar fan fiction, the way that they wrote some of this stuff, where it's just like, and Captain Ginyu's there. Oh, neat. And Piccolo sacrifices himself. Neat. (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah, we have to at least make a note of, you know, Piccolo's sacrifice, which is basically just recycling the sacrifice from the Saiyan saga, which had a lot of weight because nobody expected Piccolo to do that because he was, he, Goku was like his rival at that time. Uh, Piccolo was still in his transition from being a bad guy to being a good guy. And that was kind of the linchpin in his transition to being a good guy. It, it was a show of character you didn't expect. And so that's why it carried a lot of weight. And I guess also back then, r- resurrecting people from the dead wasn't quite as common. It was get, it was working on it, but it wasn't quite as common. So a sacrifice really meant something. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. To add to the fact that at that time, Piccolo was connected to the Dragon Balls. So when that's Piccolo right. sacrificed himself... They had no more Dragon Balls. But at this point, Dende is connected to the Dragon Balls. So I just bring Piccolo back and they don't even do it on screen. <laughs> uh, oh, whatever. He's back. We got yeah, Dragon sorry. Balls. Right. And I suppose my my last negative point, because I don't want to hit on this for too long, is yeah. it bothers me that Vegeta cannot get the win this arc. Why can't they just give the man the win? That was, I think, my last note as well, because I have to talk about it. I have to. <laughs> and I, I think, you know, anybody who's seen the movie or seen this arc, probably almost the entire fan base has the same gripe, even if you're not a Vegeta fan, which I am. I think even the people who are not big fans of Vegeta as a character feel like he deserves the win against Frieza in this moment. And they set him up to get the win, and then they pull the rug out from under him, and Goku steals the win from him. <laughs> it just, why'd they have to do that? Then it would have meant something for Vegeta to actually kill and, like, you know, avenge himself against Frieza. And then, nope, at the very last second, nope, you don't get it. You get nothing. <laughs> so frustrating. Like, of, out of all the times, I, I mean... Gosh, I'm having a hard time thinking of Vegeta getting a win. Vegeta, you know, offs a lot of the Ginyu force. um, But as far as a big bad goes, I don't know that he's ever gotten a win. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, he's had some cool moments or some spots where a win should have been in the books. But no, it's... If you're a Vegeta fan, you're you're still waiting for it, unfortunately. I'm still waiting. Even in the manga, <laughs> I'm still waiting. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, geez. All right. Well, um, I suppose my last note and score are that, thank God there's the movie. Um, <laughs> I'm... I'm given a score of a three out of 10 for the resurrection F arc. I really didn't enjoy it 
that much. Like I said, there's some bright points. There's a couple fun spots, but overall, it's uh, it. And honestly, the whole thing is it almost feels like a filler arc, almost just like a fan fiction filler arc. There aren't a lot of big points that I really care about. Yeah, and I think I'm going to play off of what you had to say is that with it feeling like a filler arc, so you honestly, because of the way Super is structured, you could completely skip this arc. Even the movie, as much as the, you know, the movie is better, it has problems, but you could skip both of them. Watch the stuff with Beerus and Battle of the Gods and then move on to the following arc with Universe 6 and you would miss nothing. <laughs> like... Uh -huh. It's just not significant, which is really a bummer because um, I freeze is my favorite villain. So I'm kind of bummed with how he's handled in this arc. Uh, but yeah, I think the only things that you would really the only things you would miss is the transformations is Super Saiyan Blue and uh, Golden Frieza. But with that said, I, I feel bad because I've been, you know, very <laughs> negative about this arc. Hmm. But I have to give it, this is probably one of my least favorite arcs in all of Dragon Ball in, on, in all honesty. I give it a two out of 10. Oh, yep, I, I can see it. And I guess everyone keep in mind that we're mostly comparing this to all the other Dragon Ball content that we've we've seen or reviewed or have memories of. And it's this, it just means that this one doesn't stick out very much. It's forgettable. There's not a lot of good content or a lot of good reason to come back and watch that if if I come home and I'm going to click through some YouTube videos of some cool Dragon Ball stuff, probably very little or nothing out of this arc is going to be something that comes to mind. No, and Dayton makes a really good point that uh, we we are trying to rate these relative to other arcs, including Dragon Ball, Dragon Ball Z and Dragon Ball GT, because we might be scoring those later. Uh, and so we're kind of keeping those in the back of our heads when we rate these as well. I, I almost want us to jump into GT so that way we can salvage some of this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There'd be lots of uh, lots of ones and twos in that one. <laughs> but oh, just to uh, recap here for the Golden Frieza arc, Dayton scored it at a 3 out of 10. Todd, myself, scored it at a 2 out of 10. So the ITDB score is a 2.5 out of 10. That 0.5 makes a difference. Yep. That's, you know, bumped <laughs> up there just a little bit. <laughs> uh, all right. So now that we're past the uh, the 2.5 uh, Frieza arc, let's jump into, it's either Universe 6 or God of Destruction Champa arc. Yeah, I think I usually call this the Universe 6 arc. And I just want to say, Things do go upward from here. That was probably the worst. So. <laughs> oh, and I will say right off the bat, I love the banter and relationship between Beerus and Champa. I enjoy it whenever it's there. I love how they bicker at each other. I love how they squabble. They're petty. They have bets. I freaking love it. Their relationship is just a thing of beauty. Yes, I very much agree. I like the introduction of Champa and Vados. I like uh, the world building that we get, learning about Universe 6 and then learning about there being uh, these, I think it's 13, is it 13 universes? I don't have the number in front of me. but Yes, it's 13. The pairing universes need to add up. No, it's 
12 universes and the pairings 12. add up to 13. That's right. Yes, that's what it is. <laughs> that's why I had the number 13 in my head. I was like, wait a second, but they all have pairs. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, uh, I I really like uh, the world building. I, I like the new characters that are introduced. Uh, I like that Beerus and Champa, they they fight and they bicker, but they because they're two gods of destruction, they can't physically fight each other for long without fear of destroying all of the universes, which uh, is a good impetus for the tournament that we get. <laughs> I do I do like that there's almost like this kind of rivalry slash respect for each other sort of thing where it's just like I respect you because you're a god of destruction, but you're not as good as me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is interesting. And I I honestly, I'd love to know more about them. Like, we know that they're brothers. Uh, we don't really know where they came from. Did they both originate in universe six and seven, respectively? I, I guess they couldn't have, right? Because they're brothers. So they would have had to come from one universe. I I don't really know. There's a lot of questions there. That is, yeah, actually, I, I would love, it'd be cool if there was a movie maybe explaining that. And yeah, any excuse I'd, to get another movie, because at this point, I'm a big fan of them. <laughs> I very much agree. So that we kind of get into the we dive into the the tournament between these two and basically the they they put uh i think they put earth on the line and because earth has great food and universe six doesn't have their earth is basically destroyed more or less or uninhabited uh and so we get a 5v5 tournament between champa's universe and beerus's universe and it's I mean, it's, it's not bad. Um, wh- what did you think about the the tournament itself, Dayton? Um, I mean, it's. I thought it was fairly fun. We do get to see a decent amount of screen time with like Vegeta and Piccolo, and it's not completely about Goku, even though at the end it is completely about Goku. But yeah, <laughs> at least we get you get Vegeta doing some fighting, and you know having some conversations with some good folks, um, mainly uh, Kaba. And uh, I mean, I thought it was fairly fun. Um, I don't think it's necessarily the most uh, important storyline, I guess. Like it's, there's no real tension in the air, but at the same time, I, there's a good amount of fighting in it. I will say I loved Super Saiyan Blue Kaioken. That was freaking awesome. But the fight between Goku and Hit was criminally under-animated. Ooh, interesting. Okay. Um, so for me, and I I think that there are parts here. So I, I made a note that the animation quality for this arc compared to the previous two is better. Not drastically better, but it's definitely a step up. Uh, and... There are moments in particularly in the hit and Goku fight. I think that that one's probably at least out of the fights in this tournament is probably the best animated, but I can see your point in that there are also moments where the animation and the choreography is lacking in the fight as well. They definitely, we get some recycled animations during the fight, especially with Goku kind of roll dodging on the ground. Uh, well, Hits like blasting at him. We also get some 
what is it, that cliche anime moment where they're black figures and they dash past each other sort of thing. And just, I don't know, I was I was not really blown away by it, especially when you look at what they were capable of doing at the end of the series. This yeah. should have been somewhat of a runner up to that level of animation because of how important I think this fight was. Yeah, yeah, I can't really argue with you there. I mean, there are a couple moments like the the Super Saiyan Blue Kaioken that I thought looked pretty good. Uh, there's a few moments of fight choreography against Hit, especially early on in the fight. I think the the episode where the fight starts uh, between Goku and Hit is probably probably my favorite part of the tournament because there's actually interesting exchanges there. Um, with Goku having to learn how to fight against Hit's time skip ability and having to predict where Hit is going to attack him and then block the attack accordingly and then return with his own attack. Um, I love Hit as a character. I love his his moveset and how unique he is. And I just, I wanted to see a little bit more quality is my issue. Yeah. Yeah, I can't really argue with you there. I And I actually want to point out that I think Hit is interesting only as a fighter. We don't really know much about his background, his interests, his connections with others, or anything else. Uh, mm-hmm. But his his power set for you know just a tournament character, he's interesting. I I do wish though, and this is kind of a an ongoing issue with Super outside of maybe the next arc uh, that he was fleshed out that we got some more characterization from him um some more emotion from him i guess but, i very uh, much agree with that i would have liked to have spent a little bit more time with hit and just figure out who he is and what makes him tick what was his background like i mean honestly i'd like to see him just kind of chum around with the z fighters for a little bit and just see yeah. kind of what he does or where he goes i think it'd be really cool yeah yeah i agree i i want to know why he's an assassin like does he have any other connections what happened in his life that led to him being an assassin. Um, there's, there's so many questions there, which is it's good when a series presents questions for the audience, but there's, I, I feel like the characterization for him is just lacking. I, I wish it would have gotten fleshed out more. I, I also have to bring up that these two things are in this arc. And so you must keep them in mind. Uh, Lord Zuno, he is in this arc. Oh, uh, Zeno. Lord Zuno at the beginning oh, of it. Oh, I'm sorry. They, <laughs> they go and visit Mr. Bobblehead. <laughs> Lord Zuno's he's problematic all around. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, so, um so they start off on a weird note and then they finish on a weird note with a copy of Vegeta. Oh god, I forgot that that's in this arc. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Can I change my score? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I just have quick notes about them. Like, yeah, these things are in here, but I mostly ignore them. Uh, So I just want to point out, just for anybody who doesn't remember Lord Zuno, Lord Zuno was basically the MacGuffin that that allows... uh, I I think that Balma and Jocko go to Lord Zuno to find out where the last uh, Super Dragon Ball is because Lord Zuno knows everything literally everything (laughs) in the universe (laughs) this is i don't even have we don't have time to explain how problematic this is and why but 
I, and I mean, it, this character is going to come up later in, in one of the other arcs too, but it's, it, it's such a problem. Like there's, I feel like this creates so many holes. Uh, it, it creates so many more problems than it creates solutions for our story. Um, it, it's better to just not think about it. Just ignore it. <laughs> yeah. My brain is kind of like frying as I'm just thinking about all the problems. Oh, geez. Yeah. But, but I, I think, um, I think I'm ready for my final thoughts on this one. How about you? I did just want to point out uh, one other little thing is that I I think some of the... A lot of the fights in this are kind of forgettable between uh, Magetta, uh, I don't even remember his name, Winnie the Pooh, and uh, <laughs> and even Frost is, is kind of meh. But uh, and it, while the fight with Kaba, the fight itself is not incredible... I like the relationship between Vegeta and Kappa. Again, I might be biased because I'm a Vegeta fan, but <laughs> I I like that we get some caring moments out of Vegeta and some mentorship uh, with him and Kappa. And I, I've talked about this plenty in our previous episode about this arc, but uh, I do like that moment. Yeah, um, I think overall... Honestly, there's plenty of action. The pacing is actually pretty good in this. They kind of roll through the fights at a pretty decent speed. And yeah. even though like the animation or choreography isn't amazing, I'm at least entertained. And that bare minimum, that's what I expect out of any show I watch, right? And so with that in mind and just completely ignoring Copy Vegeta and Lord Zuno, oh, I'm giving this one a 5 out of 10. Okay, okay. So I think I feel pretty similarly about this one. If I, I'll be honest for this one, I feel like I kind of have to shut off my brain and just enjoy the fact that I'm getting a tournament arc. I'm good uh, at shutting and, off my brain. So maybe that's why I liked it. <laughs> but, but yeah, I, I think if, if I'm willing to do that, I can, I can enjoy this arc. I can enjoy some of the fights. There's, you know, it kind of harkens back to original Dragon Ball where you had some, Characters with strange, quirky powers, and the Z fighters had to figure out how to overcome that. Uh, but it's it's not without its problems. This arc doesn't feel... It, it, this is the second arc, I would say, out of Super, that feels a little bit pointless, honestly. I guess the, the only real points that come out of this is we get Hit and Kaba, uh, and... They, I mean, Hit's going to come up later. Kaba's going to come up later. And then, obviously, Champa and Beerus' relationship. And then the ending with Beerus wishing for Champa to uh, have an inhabited Earth with the food that he wants on it gives us some characterization out of Beerus, which I really, really like that part. But beyond that, it feels a little bit pointless. And so that's kind of my long-winded way of saying... I'm giving this arc a four out of 10 because <laughs> it's, it's fun, but it's a, it's a little bit pointless when compared to arcs from like Dragon Ball or Dragon Ball Z in my mind. Yeah. Just in, in general, um, I think it's safe to say it at this point that the, the tone of Dragon Ball super is quite a bit different than the tone of other Dragon Ball series that I've seen. And so sometimes like the, tension that should be there just isn't there and it's hard to ignore sometimes i feel that way very much so especially as we're going through these arcs uh one one after the other um, but i i think 
as a recap, that makes Dayton's score for the Universe 6 arc a 5 out of 10, Todd's score, my score, a 4 out of 10, and the ITDB score a 4.5 out of 10. And I think that's going to lead us right into the Future Trunks arc. And I got to tell you right now, I love it anytime I get Future Trunks because holy crap, that guy's life sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. Future Trunks is outside of Vegeta, one of my absolute favorite characters. Him and Vegeta are probably my two favorites. And this arc has a lot of problems, but I like a lot about this arc, especially the beginning. The beginning for this arc is probably the best in Super. I would I would probably argue it's the best in Super. It's got a great hook. And you know how I just mentioned that Dragon Ball Super kind of has a, a tone problem? Mm-hmm. This is the only arc in Super where it feels like it feels like there's some tension in the air, where something's on the line, something's being risked. And now I'm invested into the story. And I really, really like that. And it, when we rewatched Super, I didn't realize how much I missed that when I was watching it again and just seeing how bad things could get. And Trunks lives in a world where there's no Dragon Balls. There's no fixing things that happen. And so whatever happens there is more or less permanent. Right. And as much as I love Dragon Ball, the series namesake reduces the tension quite a bit throughout the show. Um, So I love a timeline where we don't have Dragon Balls and we do have consequences. And you're absolutely right that the the tone that we get in the very beginning of this is very grim. We see kind of this rundown city. We see Trunks kind of hiding uh, from cover to cover, running away from someone or something. And within the first few minutes of the first episode of this arc, one of our favorite characters in Balma gets murdered by this shadowy figure. And at this point, you know, Trunks has to deal with the death of his mother. Uh, He has to make his way back in time and he has to ask for help from our Z fighters one more time. And you, when Trunks shows up, you can tell he's, he's wearing all the stresses of everything that he's gone through. He's having nightmares and, He's almost walking around with this kind of aura of hopelessness, and it takes some convincing from Vegeta and current Trunks to kind of get him back on the horse and his mind in the right spot. And yeah, I mean, you get some emotional weight, and I like that you can actually see it and feel it, and you start, you know, you start rooting for the guy, sort of thing. And there, there aren't a lot of points in super where i'm like rooting for the guy sort of thing where like i'm really hoping something happens and this arc it kind of inspired it for me now mind you unfortunately it also has the problem with the rest of super where the pacing <laughs> is awful at some points where we encounter goku black who's the new villain that <laughs> Goku doesn't have enough limelight, so we also have to make him the villain, so that way he's both sides of the battle. Um, But we have, like, several fights, just like in the God of Destruction arc, where, or the Beerus arc, where you fight the big bad guy, and then you get defeated, and you come back and you fight the bad guy again. And just, it's... 
I don't remember how many times they got beat by Goku Black and then sent back to the current timeline and then went back to fight him. But it it happened more than once, and that's too many. It, yeah, absolutely. They let's see. They went back in time, got beat, went back in time again, got beat, and then went back the third time. It's it's ridiculous. And it, I want to point out here uh, in the manga, they only go back twice. Uh, they go back once, get beat, and then they go back the second time prepared for the fight. But the the middle time in the anime that they go back feels ridiculous. It feels pointless. They went back with no additional preparation. I, I think they might have had sensu beans and that was it. It, 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 it. It's unnecessary. Like, cut it out. It, just cut it out of the anime entirely. It just... it. And when you've built up that tension, when you spend so much time screwing around, it definitely like it brings it down a notch. This honestly could have been just a spectacular story arc, but just the way they told the story, the execution at some points made it just really painful to try and keep watching. Yeah, I mean, let's talk about the time travel shenanigans and the absolute mess of time wibbly wobbly soup that is Ugh. Goku Black going back in time and, you know, stealing Goku's body and then killing Goku in another timeline and then uh, or killing his family and then going back into a different timeline where he could team up with himself because Zamasu is the one who Ugh. took over Goku's body and then Zamasu and Goku Black get together and eventually fuse and... Uh, it's well, a, and then it's after it's all said and done, after it's all said and done, they're just like, all right, we're closing the future trunks like universe like that's closed. All right. What now? We're going to make a whole new one for you. It's like, what? What? Uh... Like, just have them hang out here. Have them just be one of the Z fighters at this point. Just close that whole thing. Yeah. While I like a lot of what this arc is doing, this arc has an incredible beginning with a lot of tension and stakes for Trunks and his universe. The ending to this arc is the worst, absolute worst ending to any arc in all of Dragon Ball. It's terrible i hate it <laughs> i and i i like a lot about this arc if this arc would have ended one episode earlier i would have been like sweet that was fun that was a weird ride but it was fun and i enjoyed it uh but that ending just ruined it <laughs> yeah i think we talked about that where just i'm sorry the spirit sword or whatever it is is cool as hell like it's just badass. end it there let him freaking have it let him save the day let him save his universe that would be freaking cool as hell yeah, absolutely. I mean, Trunks deserves it as much as there's some weird stuff with power scaling and Trunks and whatnot. And, you know, it's a little bit weird that he's got the spirit sword or whatever. Uh, I, I'll take it. It looks cool. It looks awesome. It's while it's uh, a little bit strangely placed and executed, the storytelling of letting Trunks get the win there is really cool. And that's a strange problem that super has is they kind of steal the wins from these characters who really deserve it. In my opinion. Yeah. It's can Goku have the win. Okay. Goku's getting the win is kind of their, their rule of thumb. Yeah. I mean, even in this case, Goku kind of gets the win because he uses the, the Zeno button, right? Which Zeno pops in and wipes the universe clean. So in a way, Goku yeah. got the win. <laughs> uh, it was Goku's decision-making that got the win. Oh, right. 
<laughs> just stop. Just stop, Super. Yeah. I do want to point out, though, um, because we haven't talked about it a lot here, at least, that Zamasu, I like Zamasu as a character quite a bit, especially as a Dragon Ball Z villain, because he feels different from the norm. He's this god whose duty is to protect mortals and his story or his story arc of becoming corrupt and attempting to wipe mortals from existence all under the pretense of being just makes for an interesting character in Dragon Ball. Yeah, and it's you see a lot of villains where they're they're kind of unhinged or I don't know, I guess with like your cells and your freezes, it was kind of this drunk with self obsession. His was slightly different. His was, I, there's some weird twisted justice at the core of how he thinks. And that's what makes him slightly different than a lot of the other characters that, that we've come across or a lot of the other villains that the Z fighters have faced. Yeah, I agree. I and that's what I like about him is that it if we had been given and they don't do this in the show or even in the manga, but if we had been given some time with Zamasu to see him kind of transition from like this good god character who cares about humanity and then kind of watched him transition to being jaded and corrupt because of the things that he saw in humanity and the way that humanity treats one another uh i think that we could even care about zamasu and even relate to him um it's 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 an interesting story even though they don't go too in depth with it if if this filler arc would have been treated with more care i think it really could have been something special Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> like the there's all the right elements are there. It's just they didn't quite put them together in the right way. It's just a little bit more, a little bit more care, a little bit more attention to the story and f- a couple fewer plot holes. And I think there could have been something just amazing oh here. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It it really needs some polishing, but it's it's a really cool premise. Um, they could have fixed a few things. I do just want to point out, not that it's important, but Vegito in this is kind of silly, kind of worthless, uh, doesn't amount to anything. It's very fan servicey, but I still fucking love seeing Super Saiyan Blue Vegito, and that fight is awesome. <laughs> uh, I am a little sad that we didn't see uh, any more Vegito after this, though. I don't think so, anyway. No, no. This is, I think, in all of Super, this is his only only scene, and it really doesn't amount to much of anything, unfortunately, outside of just being a fucking cool moment to watch. Oh, well. I mean, I guess... I guess developing the characters on their own and not using Vegito as the trump card every time you want to win is is probably for the best. Yeah, yeah, I can't really argue with you there. I I think the win should have gone to Trunks here. I think they should have ended it when Trunks cut Zamasu in half with the Spirit Sword, and I would have been happy with that as an arc. Yeah, and I think everybody could have been happy with that. And then there would have been a lot less questions with trunks going to more timelines and now there being two gods and all this other stuff i don't know <laughs> yeah and two trunkses and two mys in that timeline like what a crazy existential crisis that is but here 
I'm going to give my score because I think I've, I've I've beaten this dead horse as much as it can be beaten, no matter yep. which timeline you're in. <laughs> I give this a very forgiving five out of ten. All right, yeah, I I also gave this a five out of ten. I I think it's really cool premise, really cool villain, really cool opening, terrible ending, and the execution is. Uh, wibbly wobbly and mediocre at best <laughs> that, that's the thing is is you had a really good workings for a good story you had all the right elements there you had an interesting villain interesting universe you had tension but you just assembled everything wrong you executed about as i'm not gonna say as poorly as you could have but pretty darn close and so like all five of those points go towards what they were trying to do and then the right. five points are taken away because of how they actually did it. This could have been really good. They were right there on the cusp. They just they uh they just flopped it. Yeah. Yeah, I 100% agree with you. So, I think for this one, that gives us all across the board between Dayton's score, Todd's score, and the ITDB score. That's 5 5 and 5. I like it. I don't need a calculator for that. Nope, quick and easy. <laughs> <laughs> so that brings us to Universal Survival or the Tournament of Power arc. And this was the big one. This was the one that kept me up at night because when we were reviewing Dragon Ball Super, I wasn't sure how we were going to be able to tackle this thing. And it was rough. Yeah, it Ooh. was a couple of lengthy podcast recordings, but we managed to get through it. Um, there's a lot going on in here. There's... You know, we get the the little recruitment arc at the beginning. Um, we get the actual tournament itself, which is massive. And for me, this introduces a lot of new characters. Um, there's a lot of fun characters in here, especially in the tournament. There's almost too many characters, though, which can kind of be a problem as well. And I do, though, I kind of like the tournament format, this... 10 person for each team free for all because it creates uh, it creates a scenario where other characters on the Z fighters or, or on other Z fighters can basically become relevant like Master Roshi, Piccolo, 17 and 18, like all these other characters can join in and have, you know, be useful. I think to me it really felt very strongly fan servicey, hmm. and in some areas I really liked it, and in some areas I wasn't very fond of it. So there's a lot of areas that are kind of hit or miss for me. And you brought up Master Roshi. I liked a lot of the Master Roshi stuff. I like yeah. seeing the master be the master and kind of show, you know, he still got a little left in the tank sort of thing. Like that stuff yeah. was a lot of fun. Um. I will say the amount of time we spent with Magic Girls was kind of annoying to me. Like, I laughed at first, and then I was just like, all right, can we wrap this thing up? Because, like, I feel like the Z Fighters, like Goku or Vegeta, could go blue and end the fight in just one second. So let's let's get this thing moving along here. Yeah, Rebrianne, she outstayed her welcome 100%. I think she sticks around for something like 20 episodes, maybe more. And it, it's too much. The gag is is fun at the beginning. It's, you know, kind of this uh, this twist on magical girls. And it's kind of fun to see Toriyama, you know, take that and twist it in his own mind, in his own way. But it, it should have been like an episode or two, right? Yeah. Like most of the other running gags or whatever were an episode or two, like the Voltron thing. And right. Um, God, I can't think of anything else 
the top of my head just yet. But yeah, usually it was just like, here's a cool little joke or whatever. I'm like, okay, cool. That's funny. Like, that was fun. Let's move on. Yeah. Yeah, there were a number of uh, of fights like that, too, that were maybe an episode or even half of an episode, but that one was too long. But the the tournament itself. So, I mean, our the impetus for the tournament is basically that there are too many, too many universes uh, and Zeno is going to kind of. Purge the universes that have low human levels, and so. Goku also was kind of like the guy who pushed for the tournament. And if our fighters, if our universe seven fighters lose, they get wiped out, Uh, which I feel torn about the sense of tension in here, but maybe it's because I've seen the ending. Uh, So I know that there's no tension. (laughs) Yeah. Well, the first time I watched it, I never felt any tension. Just like, all right, our universe isn't getting... And even, let's say, I don't know, our universe did get wiped out. Like, Universe 6 would bring us back or something. Like, I knew there was never actually a risk. They're not wiping right. out everything. Like, get out of here. And maybe that's the problem. Maybe the stakes are too high. Uh, because... Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's exactly it. The, the stakes are so high, it's unbelievable. Just had a great idea. Here's how he that they should have done it. Okay. Yeah. Um. So Universe Seven actually loses and they're wiped out, Ooh. and the whole time they were introducing us to Universe Six to start their story. <laughs> that would be amazing. And Toei Animation, uh, Shueisha, Akira Toriyama, they would never be on board with that. <laughs> <laughs> uh. <laughs> Kawa's oh our God. new protagonist, everybody. <laughs> I'm into it. Hits right, the new, yeah. like, Goku-type character, except he he's not really looking for a fight, so other people are allowed to be relevant. That would be hilarious. I know that there's a lot of the fan base who really wants to explore Universe 6 more, so maybe that was the way to do it. I mean, Hit's one of my... Um, out of all the new characters they introduced, like, Hit's probably one of my favorites, if not my favorite new, new fighting character, I guess. Yeah, I... He'd probably be right beneath Beerus and Weiss for me. I think that those two are probably my favorites. But but yeah, um, but that's not what we got. We basically got them, you know, undoing all of this. But yeah, I, I think honestly, the problem is the stakes are too high. So it doesn't it doesn't feel realistic. You're like, you know, there's not going to be any show if they wipe out Universe 7. So you, it's know, like you guys couldn't even kill a character, let alone wipe out the whole universe. Like, get out of here. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so it, the stakes feel artificial is maybe the best way to put it. And so there's not a lot of tension. So similar to the uh, Universe 6 tournament arc, this feels like just having a tournament for the sake of having a tournament because the stakes don't feel realistic, which is kind of a bummer. But admittedly, it's kind of a fun tournament to watch. I mean, that's the thing is, is the there's a lot of like i guess kind of fanfic not fan well yeah kind of fan fictiony things happening with yeah. trying to you know appease everybody with everyone's characters being able to do something and everyone gets their win and i mean part of it though is that because you have like all this lightheartedness you can't believe the stakes because it's just all these goofy things happening and it's just like all right yeah it's nothing's really at risk here they're not even showing blood <laughs> Yeah, and that is a bit of a bummer with Super with the the blood thing. But 
but yeah, I, I agree. Um, I, I will say this arc still has some of my favorite moments in super in it because it has some really touching moments with important characters. Like master Roshi has some really good moments. Like we talked about where he's, you know, either teaching or talking about his teachings and almost sacrificing himself. Vegeta has some really great moments between Vegeta and Kaba, as well as Vegeta's last stand against the wall that is Jiren. Uh, and, we even get some some more minor moments with 18 and Krillin, where 18, especially against Rebrianne, 18 is kind of expressing her love for Krillin and why she cares about him and why she fights for her universe. And so I, I like those character beats. They are uh, kind of wide spread throughout the arc, but they are when they have those moments, they're fun and enjoyable. And uh, yeah, I mean, and everything that Frieza did during that, mm. aside from a couple small things, I really, really enjoy. Frieza's always scheming, torturing people, just having a good time. And, well, you know, while Frieza's having a good time, Frieza's also laser focused on the goal, like survive and put be put back in existence. Yeah, yeah. If I could be a little corny here for a moment, every moment that Frieza is on the screen in this tournament is absolute gold. <laughs> oh, jeez. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and unfortunately, I agree with you. Um, <laughs> but, okay, so can I bring up three moments that really made me scratch my head, though, during the, the Tournament of Power? Yeah, let's talk about it. The first one is uh, Vegeta reliving his self-sacrificing explosion move that he used Ooh. in the Boo saga, but he's just strong enough to not die this time. That's, uh, to be frank, that's horseshit. <laughs> that was <laughs> one of those, no sense. you were tugging on such strong heartstrings and then just doing it for, for, I don't know, nothing? Just for fan service or something? Just, oh. I, that still bothers me greatly because that was one of the high points in the Boo Saga, and you guys just got like a a cheap moment out of it. Yeah, it's it's just a watered down version of that very powerful moment. It's almost the exact same thing as Piccolo's self sacrifice. Exactly in the Beerus arc, right? It's just repeating that moment just for the sake of fan service, and it's it's not good fan service. <laughs> And speaking of uh, Piccolo sacrificing himself, I believe Piccolo lost his arms, I think, at least four times during this tournament. I don't know what they're making Namekian arms out of anymore, but they, they gotta do something. Like, do plant people need calcium? I mean, you gotta get his calcium one way or another. Like, uh, <laughs> those arms are like paper, just sh 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 chopped off every time. But I will say... Um, Piccolo and Gohan did have some pretty BA like, like tag team moments that I really did enjoy. Yeah, I I liked. It's rare that we get moments of cooperative combat in Dragon Ball, and seeing Gohan and Piccolo work together, especially their fight against the two Namekians, where the yes. two Namekians had some combo moves as well. Uh, that was pretty cool, and even getting to see. Goku and Vegeta fight against Jiren. I know that the audience kind of makes a point that Goku and Vegeta are not coordinated and it throws Jiren off, but it's still cool to see them fighting together. 
It really is. And I'll get to the Jiren because I'm going to tackle all the Jiren stuff at once because there's a lot to it. There is. Absolutely. But the last negative thing I want to bring up before we get into Jiren is Goku getting powered up from getting hit by his own spirit bomb drives me up a gosh darn wall. <laughs> yeah. When we covered these episodes, I think you and I talked about this quite extensively because it drives me nuts. I think it makes zero sense. It feels like one of the movie moments where he absorbs the spirit bomb to power up it. That to me out of anything in this series feels super fan and I don't like it at all. I, I mentioned it in the other episode that we recorded, but I, I like the way they handle it in the manga with master Roshi kind of showing him how to use mass, uh, how to use ultra ultra instinct. I mean, um, if I had to choose of. between the two, I think it's pretty obvious. Yeah. Yeah. I feel the same. But, but uh, yeah. let's uh let's dive into Jiren a little bit because he's he's kind of his his own whole thing within this whole tournament of power. It's he's supposed to be the big main bad guy, and he's kind of he's kind of wrapped in mystery the entire time. You hear about him, but you don't really know anything about him. And really, by the end of Dragon Ball Super. You know that he had his like family taken away from him, and so he realized power is the only thing that matters, and that's him dot character more or less. Right, and this has probably been talked to death on the internet or joked about on the internet endlessly. I I'll be honest though, I I think I I had heard or read something about uh, somebody mentioned that Jiren is kind of a foil for Goku in that Jiren is basically like what Goku would be like uh, if Goku... If he didn't hit his head. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, if Goku didn't hit his head and become a friendly little Saiyan monkey boy uh, and have a bunch of friends who he trusts, which, you know, in this arc, there's a big theme about trust. Uh, And so... I like the idea that Jiren is a foil. It makes Jiren kind of a mediocre character for me, whereas otherwise I think he's a bad character. Yeah, and I don't know. It's uh, I will buy into that point a little bit. I do think that might be something that they were trying to get across is that because Jiren didn't have anything to fight for, he he couldn't hit the same levels that Goku could hit. Right. Which I buy that. But at the same time, I just... I don't feel like there's any personality to Jiren. Like, what... No. I feel like he, you know, his favorite food is just unseasoned tofu and water. Like, that's the way I look at that character. And I just <laughs> can't think of him any other way. Yeah. Yeah. I I can't really argue with you there. I will say, though, that while I, too, like Hit, Hit really doesn't, if we really compare Jiren and Hit, Hit doesn't have a whole lot more character than Jiren does, to be honest. Hit just has a much cooler skill set or a much cooler... uh, He's much more interesting in combat, basically, than Jiren is. I 100% agree with that. But we haven't really explored Hit at all, so... Yeah. yeah, We we could fix that. Come on, Uh, give me some good Hit backstory. I'd love to see more Hit. I think that would be really fun. But... Yeah, the one thing that I want to, I'm going to back up on this arc just a tiny bit because it it at least has to be mentioned. Uh, Because 
one of the best things about this arc, honestly, is the, well, the combination of the amazing fight scenes. While not all of them are amazing, there are some that are really good. And combine that with incredible animation, some of the best animation in all of Dragon Ball. The the and, final like couple episodes have some of the most beautiful animation I've seen full stop. It's incredible. Easily. easily. Uh, and add to that some phenomenal music. The music in this arc is so good. Uh, I take the music with me to the gym every morning. It's <laughs> that good. <laughs> but... I, I wanted to point out the fact that we haven't brought up yet Khalifla. And I know Dayton that you don't really, you're not a huge fan of Khalifla's fight with Goku or maybe just the fact that, you know, it's a little bit pointless, I guess, but Holy crap, man. You, even you have to say that that Kamehameha where Goku kind of skates over her freaking key blast is so cool. <laughs> All right. I'll give you that one. You get one. That was pretty freaking cool. And <laughs> it was creative. That's not really something we've seen a lot of. We've seen people fly straight through key blasts. We've seen people kind of, I don't know, like use the, like, like bend the keys direction and stuff like that and get around them and stuff like that. But we, we haven't right. really seen something that slick, but at the same time, I think the reason why something like that happened is they're really trying to emphasize that, that Goku is kind of this mobile, like, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? He's very loose. He's very fluid. He's able to, yeah. at this point, kind of not just hit things head on, but he's able to flow around them and attack in different ways like that. And that's a good point, because in that moment when he uses that Kamehameha, he's in Ultra Instinct Sign or Ultra Instinct Omen, kind of the initial transformation for Ultra Instinct. And I think visually from the anime, I mean, Ultra Instinct, especially Sign, is about kind of dodging things well and doing it without thinking. And they kind of express that almost as if it were like a like a Tai Chi or like a like a martial art where you're kind of moving like you express, Dayton, almost like water, where it's just very flowing, very easy, very effortless. Uh, and I, I really like that visual and I like that combination of like Goku flipping over Khalifa's key blast and, uh, you know, just kind of expressing that further. And it's kind of a different page in, I guess, Goku's fighting career, whereas early on the like Kaioken and Super Saiyan were more raw power. The 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 new form is more about just, well, being fluid, flowing around right. what's happening to you, being more. I guess reactive would be the word I would use is just kind of going with what's happening around you. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that kind of moves us forward, kind of getting towards the end. Did you have anything else about Jiren in particular that you wanted to talk about Dayton? No, not Jiren, but I will say that, uh, the, Oh my God, the teamwork between Frieza and Goku at the very end is some of the coolest, I'm sorry, as cool as shit that you can see in an anime. <laughs> it looks so freaking good. I mean, not even just visually. It's incredible visually. But the the music there hits so good. The, the theme for trust is on point here because 
the scene with 17 and Frieza holding this barrier, the shield against Jiren's uh, key assault, and then Goku showing up and assisting with the barrier and having this beautiful conversation with Frieza where Goku's like, no, we have to work together to beat Jiren. And Frieza's like, you know, are, well, are you going to honor your word and resurrect me if we win? And Goku's response to that is one of my favorite lines in all of Dragon Ball. Just, Frieza, you know more than anyone that I will honor my word. And it's beautiful. <laughs> it's just, oh, like this idea that, you know, Frieza, who hates Goku with a passion, probably knows and understands Goku better than most. Uh, maybe not as well as some of Goku's closest friends, but they just understand each other on this level of, you know, fighting and power that some of the other people don't get. And I love that. <laughs> I mean, Frieza at many points, just not even in super but like in dbz would make fun of goku for having these silly ideals and and these you know these cumbersome morals and things like that like frieza has always made front fun of goku for being like a trustworthy good guy and to hear frieza yeah. ask that question oh, and goku's response you're right it's absolutely perfect it's beautiful i love it uh, but that is followed by probably four or five minutes of like Dayton said, the most beautiful animation I've probably seen in, you know, just anime period and such cool fight choreography with 17 shooting the key blasts mm -hmm. that fly around Goku and Frieza as they charge Jiren and Goku, you know, launching Frieza at Toss Jiren. Me, monkey. To, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and then Goku flying in his, himself you know fading in and out of super saiyan because he doesn't have enough energy to maintain the form we talked about this in our last recording as we covered these episodes but man i get hyped just thinking about that episode see that the jiren fight i made mention earlier about how yeah i'm not youtubing anything about like the resurrection arc i will re-watch this final jiren fight because oh my god it is spectacular you can tell where all the budget went and it it was worth every dime, every hour, everything they put into it because you you notice it. And like you said, the music matches perfectly with it, too. It gets you hyped. Absolutely. It's I've honestly I've probably watched that scene dozens of times. It's so good. But we we did a little bit. Uh, I want to rewind just a touch because uh, we kind of skipped over. It's easy to about, skip over uh, 30 something episodes of an arc. <laughs> there's a lot of content. And this is, you know, we've been talking about this arc for a while now, too. But uh, there's just a lot in here. Um, we didn't touch on Mastered Ultra Instinct. And I just want to talk briefly about that because... Not only is the the fight with Mastered Ultra Instinct and Jiren really, really cool and well animated, but the thing that I like about Mastered Ultra Instinct is it's something that was foreshadowed since the first few episodes of Dragon Ball Super, where Whis was training Vegeta and Goku and berating Goku for being too relaxed in combat and berating Vegeta for being too tense in combat. And so while we didn't know that that was going to lead to a transformation or a technique, whatever you want to call ultra instinct, uh, it was 
really good, like just sprinkling the breadcrumbs to lead the audience to this point. And it's it's kind of like the original Super Saiyan, where we got a lot of breadcrumbs leading up to that before it actually happened. Yeah, you hear about the legend and then Vegeta ranting about it. And then in this one, it's <laughs> Whis kind of dropping, like you said, those those breadcrumbs. Um, I do appreciate that Vegeta tried to get there his own way and then gave up and kept being Vegeta. <laughs> that just, it touches me in the right way. That is what should have <laughs> happened. Yeah, I agree. And one of the other things that I like about Ultra Instinct is that it is not a Saiyan exclusive transformation that's true i didn't even think about that is kaioken say an exclusive it's not but goku is the only damn character who uses <laughs> it <laughs> so currently yes yeah and the the thing with ultra instinct at least with ultra instinct we get to see other well kind of other people use it we know that Whis is able to use it at the very least um and we know that beerus has been trying to use it uh, although actually, as I'm saying that, some of that is more covered in the manga. Uh, uh, you and your damn books. So sorry, they blend together to me sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it, I I like Ultra Instinct a lot. While I know a lot of the fan base has problems with Super Saiyan Blue in particular because it's kind of just a a recolor of Super Saiyan, and some people say that it you know it wasn't earned, it wasn't shown on screen when they got it. Ultra Instinct was how to handle a transformation correctly. I agree with that. It's, I mean, some of the wind is taken out of the sails when you've seen so many different forms and everything kind of feels like it just goes up the same ladder sort of thing. Like, all right, now you have Ultra Instinct. Just like, does Super Saiyan Blue matter anymore? I mean, we've already forgotten about Super Saiyan God at this point. Yeah. Yeah, and that's that's a good point, especially because Super Saiyan God gets forgotten about like that because Super Saiyan Blue comes out in the very next arc. But uh, at the very least, uh, there's a good span of time between Super Saiyan Blue and Ultra Instinct. And Ultra Instinct, as we talked about with Goku kind of flowing almost like water, at least Ultra Instinct looks and feels distinctly different from the other transformations even though it's you know it's essentially just a power up it still has its own feel and identity and i'm interested to see how they explore what might be the kind of the pros and cons of ultra instinct and kind of where it takes us it's i mean it's the next step at the very least there's some sort of progression and something to look forward to so i mean i would have wished for something a little bit different than just another transformation, but at least this one isn't just, just, I guess, pure power. It's kind of, I don't know, it's kind of its own thing. It 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 at least feels different than Super Saiyan 1, 2, 3, 4, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely agree with you there. And the only thing that I want to say to kind of come to the tail end of this arc is that... I didn't like, as we kind of touched on, I didn't like the wish to just bring everybody back. It makes this arc feel, again, feel pointless, which I would say three out of the five arcs in Super kind of have that problem where it feels like, well, you know, what was the point of this? Uh, and also, the while the last episode with the fight against Jiren, uh, against Goku, Frieza, and Seventeen is incredible, 
the ending to the arc feels rushed. The the very tail end where they kind of say, okay, we wish back all the universes and all right, now we're back on Earth and, you know, who knows what will happen next? It just, it feels very quick. It, it, I almost feel like it needed more breathing room, maybe like even another episode. Like a cool down episode sort of thing. Exactly, yeah. Uh, I, I wish they would have given us one more so that they could have, you know, given it all a little breathing room. I mean, I don't mind the fan service shot of uh, of Vegeta and Goku kind of back in the uh, the Rocky Barons or whatever, like when they first fought and kind of in their stances. I love that shot. Like, I'll give them credit there, but... Yeah, I mean, I I think I can agree with that, where one more episode to kind of tie everything up would have been pretty nice, because I feel like we, like, all right, Jiren's defeated. All right. All right, make your wish. All right, you made your wish. All right, everyone go back home. Here's what everyone else is doing. All right, bye. Yeah, that's that's how I felt about the pace of that episode, because the, I mean, the fighting for the tournament is like the, this is the very last episode. I think it's episode 131 or 132, but the first half of that episode is finishing up the tournament, like finishing up the fight and beating Jiren. And then the last 10 minutes, the last half, they have to make the wish and wrap up all the story, you know, show all the universe is coming back. Like it's, it's a lot to handle in just that short period of time. Yeah, I think, I think I agree with that. Um, But I think, I feel like everyone felt like there was going to be more Dragon Ball after this, though. So this wasn't like the the end end yeah. sort of thing. This is just like the all right until we pick it back up again, which I will forgive it a little bit for that because we know there's going to be more. Yeah, that's a fair point. And we already have the Dragon Ball Super movie, which continues the story. So we know there's, you know, obviously more. Uh, and hopefully, fingers crossed, Ooh. they will return to the anime. There's been rumors about it for 2022, but. There have been rumors about it for years now. So You know what? I don't care if it's 2022 or 2023. Just take your time and just let's do it right this time. Let's not exactly. pad out too many episodes. Let's get the tone and the pacing down correctly. I'll wait a little bit longer to get a better quality product, because if I get something really dang good, I'll probably watch it three or four times. I completely agree with you. I think for the most part, that wraps up that arc. We spent a lot of time on that arc, but it is about half of Dragon Ball Super in terms of episode <laughs> count. So It's a lot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, did you want to give any final thoughts as well as your score, Dayton, for the universe survival arc? Yeah, I mean, I want to say that um, I'm definitely going to be a little bit more favorable on this one just because I have some of the best looking Dragon Ball content even though not the whole thing, but the last fight, oh my god, I rewatch that just every now and then just because it looks so darn good. So good. And so that weighs in heavily to my decision here. And I'm giving this a big old fat 5 out of 10. Okay, alright. Interesting. So you gave it, I think you gave the Future Trunks arc a 5 out of 10 as well, right? Yeah, they're both for opposite reasons. This one looked great, but there wasn't much substance. And then the other one had a lot of substance, but didn't look great. (laughs) That's great. (laughs) Okay, yeah. And so I, I think I feel similarly about this arc as what you mentioned. I there are moments that are just, just blow me away. I absolutely love. And it's, it's not even just the visuals. It's not even just the fighting. There are character moments in here that I love. There are character moments with Vegeta and Vegeta cheering on Goku when Goku's fighting Jiren. 
and Vegeta giving Goku his energy and Vegeta's final flash and, you know, lots to do with Vegeta. Uh, but there's there's a lot going on here. There's also a lot of what feels like padding. Uh, I think this art could have been half as long and it would have been twice as good as a result. Yeah, I, I wouldn't argue with you there. There's there's a lot of fights that feel very mediocre. And the again, the talking about the stakes, the stakes are almost too high that they just feel unrealistic. So the audience knows that our universe is not going to get wiped out. And so and then the, the very tail end feels rushed. Uh, and I the recruitment arc too. there. I had a few problems with the recruitment. It felt like a lot of side quest stuff. Oh, and, yeah, it really did. And there were some, uh, what do they call it, the Toriyama tune-ups where someone is suddenly way stronger than they probably should be. Yeah, I mean, as much as I like Master Roshi's involvement, Master Roshi is stronger than he probably should have been, as well as a couple other characters. But so this arc, I think this arc is so much fun to watch, especially when you can watch it from start to finish but it's not without its problems. And so I gave this arc a six out of 10. This is the first time you one upped me. (laughs) I know. I know. I I really like some of the moments in this arc. They are super cool. Um, And so this to me, I mean, it's the one that I gave the highest score out of all of the arcs in super Uh, It's probably my favorite one out of all of them. I feel like they kind of finally got their shit together in this arc, honestly. Yeah. And it's, it's one of those things where all the all the filler really made it painful at times, but the highs were really darn high. And I can't ignore that because when you look back and you think of a, a series or something like that, you're going to think of the high points of that series. And this one, the high points are pretty darn good. And it's yeah. one of those things where it's just like, yeah, I'm going to go rewatch the Jiren fight. That was great. Or I'm going to rewatch some of the Android stuff because it was hilarious watching them be the villains. <laughs> Yeah, that stuff was quirky and fun. So I think to recap, Dayton gave the Universe Survival arc a 5 out of 10. Todd, myself, gave it a 6 out of 10. And that makes the ITDB score for the Universe Survival arc a 5.5 out of 10. Yeah! And I think that brings us to our last part, our last score, and our overall review of dragon ball super as a whole yeah and i know you and i did our our final score slightly differently um i just took uh (laughs) kind of all of my scars for each arc and just averaged them together and that left me with a 4.6 out of 10 so not exactly uh uh bragging about this series to anybody and (laughs) (laughs) 4.6 is I wouldn't buy that off of Amazon, but a lot of that just comes down to just pacing and tone and filler and just there. There's a lot of good ideas here. They just fail to execute on them a lot of the time, and it really does drag the series down. Yeah, yeah. So and Dayton averaged out his scores. So I, I did mine a little different. I did find the average for my scores. Uh, but I, I ended up giving it a different number. So my scores averaged out to a four out of 10. However, I decided to give Dragon Ball Super my final score a five out of 10. I think 
the reason why I bumped it up just a little bit is because while Dragon Ball Super has a lot of problems and, you know, I've I was pretty negative, especially about the first two arcs because they are rough. When Super came out, I was so excited. I, despite all of the problems, despite the poor animation, despite the pacing issues, I was excited every single week to watch the new episode of Dragon Ball. And I was just happy to have more Dragon Ball content, honestly. And while the earlier parts of it were were rough and, you know, especially watching them back a second or third or fourth time uh the the latter parts especially like the tournament of power for me they just kind of improved upon the franchise that i already love and enjoy uh and so i think a five out of ten feels appropriate when comparing it to the other series as well and i know that these scores aren't going to count really towards anything but i do want to bring them up the uh, God of Destruction movie and the Broly movie are both probably in the ballpark of nine out of tens for me. They are fantastically fun to watch and just animated amazingly and just are incredibly fun. And that's brand new Dragon Ball content. It's not just everything they're pumping out that I, I'm giving fours and fives to. It's oh, yeah. just Dragon Ball Super. They've done a fantastic job with the movies, and I highly recommend watching them if you haven't seen them, or if you haven't seen them in a while, give them a rewatch. They're really good. Dayton brings up a really good point, too, and we might do ratings on the movies later. Uh, I, Although, as a you know, bit of a spoiler, I, too, for Battle of Gods, I'd probably give it 9 or 10, and Dragon Ball Super Broly... I might give that a solid 10. A solid 10? 10. 10. That, <laughs> that, that movie is incredible. It, it's not without its problems, but for a Dragon Ball movie, probably a 10 out of 10 is real good. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, the new movie's fantastic. The Frieza one's all right, but just those other two just knock it out of the park. Yeah, yeah, I very much agree with you. Well, Dayton, did you have... Uh, oh, you know what? I'm sorry, I almost forgot to just cover the recap for our scores. I think Dayton ended up giving Dragon Ball Super a 4.6 out of 10. Todd, myself, gave Dragon Ball Super a 5 out of 10. And that makes the ITDB score for Dragon Ball Super a 4.8 out of 10. There it is, the first official score. (laughs) It's on the board. That's right. And this might be something that we keep uh, doing as we move forward uh, to, you know, maybe other series potentially in the future. Ooh, that sounds like it could be a clue. Mm, Maybe. (laughs) Weiss, are you alluding to something? (laughs) A little bit of foreshadowing there. (laughs) But Dayton, did you have anything else you wanted to discuss? Or does that kind of wrap things up for tonight's topic? Ah, I think uh, I think in this episode, I think I got everything that I felt about Super across probably about as well as I could. I mean, I could probably keep going, but I, at this point, I think it's out there. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, and don't tempt me. You know I'll talk about Dragon Ball <laughs> all, all night and all day. So, But with that said, I think that's going to be it for this episode of Instant Transmission, where we discuss everything Dragon Ball. This has been your host, Todd. And Dayton. 
Thanks everyone for joining us as we come to a close on what I would call the first chapter of the Instant Transmission podcast. Oh my God, I didn't think we were going to make it this far. This has been just a, a freaking journey. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's wild. And we've, you know, we've been recording for the better part of a year at this point. And it's, you know, I'm excited to see what comes next. So yeah, will we get better? Will we get worse? Stick around. <laughs> So be sure to join us on the next episode with Dragon Ball Super out of the way. Dayton and I have been discussing what we'll be covering next. And like we said, we've got a few ideas and we're both excited and eager to share them with you all. And here's a little hint. It might be about a certain boy getting hit by a car. But be sure to find out uh, next time. And to all our fellow Dragon Ball fans, stay safe out there and remember to keep rocking the dragon. All these squares make a circle. All these squares make a circle. <laughs>